Welcome to Wind Up Weekly. I'm Matthew Gohm. I'm Katie Canfield. And we're here to share the week's news in wine. This week on Wind Up Weekly, another case of labeling fraud, this time in the Southern Hemisphere, where a Canterbury winery has pleaded guilty to allegations. Prosecco subregion Conagliano e Valdobbiadene awarded World Heritage status. Treasury Wine Estate's Squealing Pig, a range of wines with multiple countries of origin, has launched in the UK, one of the first of its kind. Boisset buys Burgundy Negocion Maison Alex Gamble. And as always, our Wine of the Week. Directors of Southern Boundary Wines, a Waipara-based winery in the Canterbury region of New Zealand's South Island, have pled guilty to various counts of fraud regarding mislabeling wines destined for export in countries like the UK, Japan, Fiji, Thailand, and Australia. Vineyard manager and winemaker Scott Charles Berry and operations and export manager Andrew Ronald Moore were originally accused of 156 counts of fraud back in 2017, alongside winemaker Rebecca Cope, who is due in court next week. The charges include mislabeling of wines vintages and origin, passing off blended wines as single vineyards, and exporting nearly 100,000 liters of wine deemed non-compliant, according to the country's export eligibility requirements. In addition, the three were charged with covering up the fraudulent acts. The High Court at Christchurch will deliver the sentences in September. Southern Boundary Wines, now in liquidation, was founded in the early 1980s and owns five wine labels, Waipara Springs, Premo, Waipara Downs, Baskend, and The Springs. The company went under administration last year under the control of the Ministry of Primary Industries, who uncovered the fraud. So Matthew, we just reported earlier this month about another case of fraudulent labeling in Bordeaux, the Grandot brothers, uh, blending excess AOC wine into table wine. So mislabeling it and selling it when it should have been delivered uh, back to the government then destroy it or distill it. We would expect that, right, of Bordeaux with their strict regulations and maybe less so with these new world countries, but uh, New Zealand seems to be cracking the whip. Yes, so it's extremely important that the consumer can trust what is on the label. This is why the regulations exist. We know exactly what we're drinking and we as you mentioned, associate that with France, with their really strict appellation regulations, which can sometimes seem over the top. But it's also true of new uh, wine-producing countries like New Zealand. You have to be able to trust the quality, the origin, that the wine is actually what it is. And actually, this is the first case where New Zealand's Wine Act, which regulates any wine for trade or retail sale, has come into effect. Right, so this is all part of New Zealand taking its uh, wine very seriously. Quality has to be high, so they're really uh, protecting the wine industry and making sure that the standards remain high. And we'll see if New Zealand eventually implements its own appellation system. All about letting the consumers know what they're drinking. UNESCO has voted to award Le Colline del Prosecco di Conigliano e Valdobbiadene, in English, the hills of Conigliano and Valdobbiadene, the status of world heritage sites. The award is given due to the landscape characterised by Ciclioni, which are small plots of vines on narrow grassy terraces, and the forests, small villages and farmland, UNESCO announced. They added, for centuries this rugged terrain has been shaped and adapted by man. Farmed since the 17th century, Conagliano and Valdobbiadene form the highest quality region of Prosecco, and the award, which Prosecco has been seeking since 2008, is quite a coup, giving added prestige to a region mostly associated with inexpensive, simple, sparkling wine. 
So that's 11 years in the making. Why has it taken them so long to earn this award? The requirements to become a UNESCO World Heritage Site are quite rigorous, and it requires a lot of paperwork. They actually have to submit a 1,300-page document. That's a lot of paper. And people have actually expressed concerns about the environmental impact of this award, not just for the paper used, but also because Prosecco has really expanded as a region in recent years, and there are arguments that Prosecco has become too big. There's a lot of land being farmed that shouldn't. However, these are the um, really two high-quality regions. This really does help people make people aware that Prosecco can be high-quality, not just simple. Multinational drinks supplier Treasury Wine Estates pushes the envelope yet again by launching its successful Squealing Pig wine brand as the company's first multi-country of origin wine range in the UK. Squealing Pig has been around since 2010, existing up until now as a New Zealand brand, with a range of varietal wines sourced from various regions around the South Island. Its immense success, particularly in Australia, seems to have prompted Treasury to expand into new markets. The lineup features six wines from five different countries across three continents. Sauvignon Blanc from Marlborough, Chardonnay from Pathway in Australia, Malbec from Mendoza, Primitivo from Puglia, Italy, a Grenache Syrah Carignan blend from the Languedoc, and Picpoul de Pinay, also from the Languedoc. The wine's labels feature Treasury's augmented reality technology, usually a short video clip that uses facial recognition of the label art to tell the stories behind the wines or the brand, accessed by consumers through the app on their smart devices. While this technology is now used with a few brands within the Treasury portfolio, perhaps the most notable is 19 Crimes. The entire range is line priced at £10 and will be available online starting this month. The Sauvignon Blanc and Chardonnay will also be available in-store at Morrison's in the UK. The move follows a series of innovations uh, Treasury Wine Estates has have explored in recent months um, in order to broaden its consumer base, particularly in the US and China. They've done a lot with their Penfolds brand, um, including sourcing Californian grapes for future releases, uh, as well as introducing a Shiraz infused with Chinese spirit Baijiu, and adding a champagne to the lineup. So, Matthew, what do you think of all these innovations? Are they really being successful at attracting a new consumer? Well, I, I find the, um, the app very interesting, the augmented reality technology. What the wine industry really needs to do is involve the consumer in the wine, whether it's through telling a story or actually having some interaction. And I think using uh, smartphones or social media and having consumers actually interact with the wine is extremely important. So that seems a very uh, significant theme to this um, new release. Well, yes, it does seem to have been successful, seeing as in March, uh, Treasury passed the 3 million mark of downloads for its augmented reality app. And I believe they intend to roll out the technology across all their brands. Makes sense. 3 million downloads is a lot. And again, getting the consumer involved. And then with this uh, squealing pig brand, um, it's going to be recognizable to consumers no matter where the wine is from. So it makes sense to have that consistent brand through different countries. This week, the Boisset family bought Maison Alex Gamble of Burgundy for an undisclosed fee. Maison Alex Gamble was founded by Alex Gamble himself, son of a Washington DC parking lot entrepreneur back in the 1990s and was formed as a negociant. The producer owns 12 hectares across Burgundy, 
in Pomard, Volnay, Poluni Montrachet, Chassagne Montrachet, and Nuit Saint Georges, among other places, holdings which account for two thirds of their 6,000 case production, the rest of their grapes being bought. Gambal made the decision due to his children's lack of interest in taking over the company, but he will maintain an advisory role. Bosset already owns 728 hectares of vines across France and California and elsewhere, with Maison Alex Gamble being a small quality addition to the portfolio. So Matthew, I've seen um, a couple of articles lately asking the question about whether or not premiumization is still on the rise. So for example, with the pending sale of Constellation of the entry-level wines to Gallo, Constellation is obviously cutting ties with the lower-end products focusing on premium and luxury tiers, while Gallo uh, seems to be targeting that the entry-level category. Um, so with this purchase by Boisset, which supports kind of the importance of premiumization, I mean, these are not cheap wines we're talking about. Do you think that's still a trend? Um, premiumization, is that still on the up and up? Yes, I think so. I think there are two categories of wine Plus to make money from. Plus it's called The really pig. cheap stuff and the really expensive stuff. Everything in between is quite difficult to make money. Uh, so this makes sense for Boisset, who are a really big, um, a big company in Burgundy and elsewhere, to invest in um, a, producer, a small producer that makes expensive wine, particularly in Burgundy. Uh, production in Burgundy is uh, relatively small, but the wines are always going to be expensive, and there's a, a market there for collectors to buy those expensive wines. Yep, people always pay more for Burgundy. <laughs> Now for our wine of the week. So Matthew, I was so excited when you blind tasted me on this just the other day. Uh, David and Nadia Pinotage 2017. And no, I didn't get the wine correct. And that's because this really reshapes how you think about Pinotage. Uh, Pinotage you might think as well being low quality. This is certainly not low quality. It's really good. And you might think of it being quite rubbery or quite big, but this is a very different style. Made in the Spartland, which is a very exciting and kind of up and coming. I don't even think you can say that anymore. It's pretty much established itself in export markets as being wines of very high quality in South Africa. Uh, and we went and visited David and Nadia in 2017. Isn't that right, Matthew? We did. It's quite an experience because we got completely lost in the middle of Spartland. Loads of dirt roads, no um, navigation, no internet barely any phone reception for us to call David and try and find out where they are. And it has to be said, rather unhelpfully, the sign to their winery is a different name from their winery, which meant we drove past it without realising. They could have changed that, though, so it might be correct now. Yes, we did suggest to them that they put the right name of the winery on the sign. Uh, But they're a lovely couple. Um, They started a few years ago, they're young, and they make a really good Grenache as well as well as Chenin Blanc and a white blend, which I'd highly recommend. But this Pinotage is particularly interesting because it is so different. It's light-bodied, more like a Beaujolais than any other style of wine. 12% alcohol, and it has a killer label. So check it out. In the California market, it's $30. And I think if you have some preconceptions about Pinotage, which are negative, this one will really change your mind. So cheers to Pinotage. So thank you for listening. I'm Katie Canfield. I'm Matthew Gorn. And we'll catch you next week on Wind Up Weekly. See you next time.